0: Hello, and welcome to the Beautiful Business podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy, and fully grow. I'm your host, Ewan Sang, and I'm joined by our guest, Samir Vaswani. Samir started his career as a chef, opening his first restaurant at the age of 25. Five years later, without any manufacturing experience, he relocated to West Africa, to start a confectionery manufacturing business producing biscuits, candies, gums and chocolate. After 12 successful years, he sold the business to a multinational before moving back to London in 2016 because he wanted to affect industry change. By this point in his life, he had his own kids and wanted to give them better choices. Seeing a gap in the chocolate market, he sought to disrupt the industry by taking on the big brands. Prodigy Snacks was therefore born in 2018 with the mission to reinvent chocolate to be less damaging to our bodies and to the environment. Samir continues to tackle the issues in the world of chocolate, health, sustainability and ethics. So Prodigy Snacks has got some pretty punchy goals in terms of your product being healthier than typical kind of chocolate and snacks that are out there, being vegan, plant-based as you say, but also at the same time, and this is a big one for me being a bit of a fan of chocolate, is being tasty because there's so many products out there in the market which which don't taste great. You know, they just, they really don't. So having these these goals are pretty big. And, and I know that you mentioned earlier about raw cacao, ha- having real chocolate in there is super important and getting rid of the high process. And and, and one of the things that you mentioned was having a sugar content less than 20%. I mean, how much is a normal chocolate? Yeah, just to give us a bit of context
1: there. Up to 60% sugar content, that to refined sugars, which are largely empty calories. They only have really 20 to 30% Cacao or cocoa content or cocoa solids. Popular brands also have ingredients that really don't need to be there and are just used for cost engineering or they have zero nutritional value and then cause damage to the environment. So we've removed all of that. And this is why Prodigy is in existence. You know, we've got electric cars for the car industry. We've got digital banking that is now changing the way we bank in our relationship with, with money and taking over from all the large legacy banks. We've got healthy snacks out there. We've got healthy, low-sugar beverages. But somehow, the chocolate industry was still stuck in its old ways. Yes, there are lots of new brands emerging. And even before Prodigy, there were new plant-based sort of vegan chocolate brands but like you said earlier in my opinion none of them actually deliver on taste those things isn't it we, we we often talk about creating
0: value how do you create value here instead of just moving things around how do you create value for the user and and we often talk about how value is perceived so you know if create value in terms of the job to be done is not one of those boxes in the, in the matrix does does this food stuff you know does it Provide nutrient? Does it feed us? Does it sensation us? You know, and the other part, the other value is: does it create value and experience? You know, what does it feel like when we eat it? And chocolate should be one of those things. Yeah, it feeds us, but we should enjoy it. our experience of it should be really, really positive. And absolutely, and, and that extension of it of that value matrix is normal. Chocolate does its job. You know, it provides us as a food stuff, not particularly nutritional, but it's there. It feels good whilst we eat it. But does it do good for our well-being? You know, does normal chocolate, is it good for us? And the answer to that, I think, is in the main no. And look into what you're trying to achieve with produce Snacks is to try and, you know, square off that in the sense that you know it, it does do it from your story and, and certainly what i've read about prodigy is that it, it's been a bit of a journey to get there in terms of it getting it right because there are such restrictions on you in terms of plant-based in terms of being vegan and and that must have been the, the, the big one i imagine because you know for certainly for milk chocolate lovers like myself and that must have been a real challenge to come over and i'm right in thinking that that whole kind of trialing process that that to trying to get the recipe right it was it was 18 to get get to where you were i mean I don't know enough about food production, but eighteen—that's—that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot of times to get to the point where it. I think this is it, guys. Oh no, it's not. Yeah. So, so talk us through about that. Talk us through about the you know this this process for Project Snacks and how you got it to where where it is. Because I've I've i thank you very much by the way for sending the samples over. They were delicious, and the kids loved them as well. Which is always going to be the big test, for especially my little girl because like, she doesn't like it. She will leave it half eaten on the side every every bit of it any entrepreneur that's out there thinking about product development and trying to get the mvp 18 goes just feels like a lot talk us through it what what was
1: involved and and how to get through it i mean 18 trials was just with with one manufacturer to be frank we did sort of a dozen trials with a swiss manufacturer at first who again you know credit to them were already working with better sugars like coconut sugar uh, and plant-based ingredients but where that fell over was they just didn't want to or couldn't entertain the use of plastic-free packaging. They just weren't set up for it, and they weren't prepared at that time to do the R&D required to start using these compostable new pioneering plastic-free packaging materials. So that was a real turning point for, for us in the early part of the business. And, and that's when I was like had to make the really tough decision of, of basically moving away from that manufacturer and finding somebody new. So we were lucky we found another manufacturer based in the UK, even better, and then started the whole trial process with them. And with them, I think we did another two dozen trials to get the product absolutely right. And you'll be, or maybe you'll be surprised, maybe you won't be surprised, but even once we finalized and then launched the product, we've still had three recipe changes after that, as we've now learned that, you know, over time, certain ingredients are reacting. With with each other within within the product, you know, we used coconut milk powder at in our first iteration as the as the dairy replacer, which gave a really lovely creamy mouthfeel. But after about six to nine months, would develop a a really strong sort of coconut off taste, and obviously that's not very good for the product. So we had to we had to reformulate again, relaunch again. Then we started using oats, to be frank, as a dairy replacer. We thought, well, oat milk is the sort of new champion plant-based milk. Let's try using that in, in our chocolate. Now, you can't use any liquid in chocolate production because you've only got to use dry ingredients. So we ended up using oats. We grinded them up and we added it to our, our chocolate recipe and, and and conched it for those sort of 18 to 22 hours to get a really smooth consistency. Quite happy with that recipe, launched it again, but again, it didn't quite work on a long-term basis. So now we've reformulated for the last time and the product that you've now tasted and your kids have tasted is the absolute final recipe. We're really happy with it. It delivers on all counts, nutritionals, taste, shelf life, you know, the whole nine yards, and now we're finally there. But yeah, I, I always knew it could be done. So I didn't give up. It was just a question of persuading these manufacturers to look at these new ingredients and to try new things. So that must be
0: that, that must be quite a journey in itself And in the sense that number one, I mean, did you kind of foresee that it would take so so many trials. I mean, I mean, eighteen's out the window now. We're talking like twenty, thirty trials here. First of all, did you see that it would take that long? Secondly, you said you didn't give up, which, which is great in the sense that you knew that this this could be achieved. But it sounds like the greater problem was convincing the manufacturers to stay the course with you. Talk us through that. What did you have to do? How did you keep the manufacturers on the side? Because obviously, you know, they they must have seen the challenges that were facing, you know, the manufacturer of, of your product and. You know, they were on the hook, I guess, in the sense that their names that, you know, what did you do there? How did you kind of manage that situation?
1: Perseverance in a nutshell. But again, like I said, you know, I always knew it was possible, right? The challenge was getting these manufacturers to to change, essentially. They're all accustomed to using certain ingredients. They are accustomed to using dairy-based ingredients or refined sugar, you know, and all the usual ingredients that you find in chocolate. And again, fairness to manufacturers, they have to, right? Everything is 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 sort of programmed in. Systems are built or machinery and process machinery is all built to handle these particular ingredients. And then you suddenly sort of change refined sugar to coconut sugar and start adding in plant-based sort of dry ingredients. And that that quite frankly messes up with their systems. But again, from the manufacturing background I have, I understood that I understood that fundamental problem, and I understood that fundamental challenge. So that's why it took those twenty four, twenty five sort of trials, purely because it was sort of constantly reiterating, convincing them to try out these new ingredients, and then helping them find solutions on on how to work with those ingredients. The biggest challenge was using again this sort of compost materials packaging machines are, are precision machines they operate at 200 250 packs a minute any deviation in in the sort of thickness of the packaging or you know or even the the inks that are used could could throw that efficiency completely off and no manufacturer wants an inefficient <laughs> uh production process but again working with them understanding the nature of their of their flow wrappers temperature adjustments ceiling pressure adjustments Doing those trials, helping them through that process. That's how we got to the end. And yeah, the the whole manufacturing experience and background really helped me through that. You know, most brands go to a private label manufacturer and say, this is what I want to produce, or this is my brand. Can you produce a product for me? For me, it was, this is what I want to produce. These are the ingredients I want to use. This is the packaging that it must be. Let's make it happen. What was the
0: reaction from manufacturers when you when you came to them with this with this list with these demands with these parameters? Because you see things like Dragon's Den and all these other things on the TV and it's kinda of like, look, you know, we'll we'll outsource this, we'll take it to, you know, offshore wherever it might be. And as you say, it's about efficiency, it's about unit cost, you know, how can they push that unit cost down and protect the margins and things like this? And it sounds like you're having to have a very different conversation with these people. I'm I'm intrigued to know. Did you did you find that there were people that were just on board straight away? You know, they got it, they could see the vision, they could see what you were trying to achieve and that's what drove it? Or were you having to have other conversations with people that were counting the beans and thinking, you know, the whole kind of chin scratching, oh, that's going to cost a lot of money, you know, and, and having to drag them over the line? What was that like? Because I imagine if it was a, the former, it must have been a joy. If it was the latter, that must have been soul-destroying. <laughs>
1: And the latter was a prominent sort of you know, uh, experience. The amount of people that said no, or the amount of manufacturers that just said no, you've got too many requirements, and we just can't meet all of them. You know, Some manufacturers were willing to look at delivering a vegan chocolate, but they weren't willing to look at not having refined sugar. Some of them were willing to, to have no refined sugar, but weren't willing to look at being plant-based. Some of them were willing to look at being plant-based and no refined sugar, but weren't willing to look at the plastic repackaging. So it was a string of no, a string of, sorry, we can't help you, a string of too many limitations. And then finally just landed, found a manufacturer who ran a dairy-free manufacturing facility, was already using coconut sugar, was small enough to be nimble and agile to change and and use new ingredients, and were already sort of using raw cacao and, and health conscious. And it was just a perfect match. And, and again, they were open minded enough to, to develop this thing with me and to go through the trial process and try everything new. And the last piece of the puzzle with them, the, the ingredients and all of that was not a huge challenge with them because, like I said, they just got it and they understood it and they had experience already working with these ingredients. The last piece of the puzzle with them was the whole plastic free bit. And that's, that's when we sort of worked really closely together, found solutions. And yeah, we ended up with a, with a nice range. Would you say that?
0: I mean it sounds like you it was it was it was a bit of luck, but I imagine there's a bit more to it than just luck. But you're finding these manufacturers, it sounds like you you had this connection almost on a on a values basis, almost on a purpose basis. And that's what drove this collaboration to the success is that Working with partners, working with suppliers, working with manufacturers who not only have the capability, I mean, from a very lay person's perspective, I would imagine that a lot of manufacturing, if they took the time, if they had the intent, if they had the want to do it, they could recalibrate their machines. You know, they could do absolutely all that they could do. It's their intention, which is so important. And I think that comes back to finding partners, finding people that you can collaborate with who share common values a common purpose you mentioned the manufacturer already uses you know friendlier sugars and and, and coconut sugars already uses non uh, already use vegan so on and so forth so i guess just again it underpins to me the fact that you know if you do want to make impact if you do want to have what are very very lofty ambitions very you know very ambitious kind of targets you you need to have people on the bus so to speak who share the same sort of values and principles as you do because that's what will drive that performance
1: Absolutely right. Prodigy is B Corp certified and that manufacturer that we're working with is also B Corp certified. So again, aligned on values. They use green energy to power their manufacturing facility. You know, they're conscious about the ingredients they use. They're conscious about waste. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Because we share the the same values, it's worked really nicely. But also, you know, I mean, don't forget, we we started this back in 2017, 2018. And what we were trying to do back then was so off off center that's why we got so much resistance but today as you know this 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 health and wellness and and producing better products and and plastic repackaging is now that much more in demand and and everybody consumers are so much more aware of it that same Swiss manufacturer for example that I had to leave three four years ago because they wouldn't entertain compostable packaging materials are now installing new packaging lines to 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 use those very same compostable packaging materials that I wanted to use all those years ago. So you know, everybody's evolving. Everybody's got to go through their own journey, and they now recognise that that's what the world wants. That's what consumers want. And yes, it's still a small, you know, it's still a small part of the market, but it is growing so rapidly. And manufacturers now know that they're just going to be left behind unless they change.
0: Thanks so much, Samir, from Prodigy Snacks. One inspiring story, and so good to hear about the difference you are making in the world of chocolate. No, I really fancy some chocolate now. And it also has to be plant-based and wrapped in non-plastic. Thank you for joining us for this week's Beautiful Business podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussion on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.